0: your Bibles this evening and if you could just uh, turn my mic up quite a bit more for the preaching time I would appreciate that Luke chapter 8 and we're going to finish up our our series out of Luke 8 this evening and uh, we'll we'll have a few more sermons we preach on uh, preparing the soil of the heart uh, uh, in the Sunday evenings to come uh, but I hope the uh, this series has really been a benefit to you. I asked my wife on the way home this morning I said, Um, I said, I'm I'm wondering if this series has been any different as far as it's level of helpfulness toward those who are coming on Sunday mornings. And I said, I don't want any series that I preach to ever be about um, how much Bible knowledge is put out or uh, or or any sort of display. We always want the series to help. But boy, the rest of the theme for the year really is this. This part of it is so foundational and so important, and I'm hoping that uh, as we've gone through uh, the different types of soil found here in Luke 8, that God has maybe showed you some things in your life that need to change and improve, so that God's word can really get down into the soil of your heart and really begin to grow and and uh, make a difference. Let's stand for the reading of God's word tonight. We'll begin again in verse four. I'll read down through verse 15. It says in. When much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? And he said, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no roots, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. We'll finish up this morning's sermon. We began talking about the productive soil. Let's pray. Lord, tonight as we continue uh, talking about uh, the importance of this fourth type of soil. Lord, would our heart throb inside of us to have the fruit produced in our lives in great abundance that is described in the Bible, throughout the pages of the Bible. And Lord, as we see that type of fruit tonight, may it become evident and obvious where we need to make changes and grow. May we be incentivized to want these things in our life. And Lord, though, for those Christians that have been saved many years and are that tree producing fruit, may we be encouraged to lead others to have that in their life. And Lord, where there are things that are prohibiting us from having the fruit we ought to have. Lord, may we step up and make those changes as well. Give us a good time tonight. Help us to be challenged through the preaching of your word in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, so just a review uh, from this uh, this morning, um, we we talked about the fourth type of soil. And so uh, I I need to do this because on any given in any given service, there can be somebody here who's not heard any of the series and so if you've been if you've been through this whole series, then just bear with me just for a moment while I give the rundown here. OK, Jesus is he is um, speaking to a crowd of people. Some of them are believers. Some of them aren't. Some of them' are skeptically listening to exploit any loophole, anything that he might say that is inaccurate. And so Jesus did a lot of speaking in parables. He would speak in a way where those with spiritual discernment could understand But those who uh, maybe were there more carnally minded would have no idea what he was saying. And so Jesus tells a parable. He says that a sower goes out into his field to sow a farmer and he reaches down. He gets a handful of seed and he slings that seed out on the soil. And that seed lands on four different types of soil. And Jesus explains later that the seed is God's word. The seed going down in the soil is the word of God that's being slung out. So logic would tell us that if the seed is the word of God, then the one distributing the seed is the preacher. It is the person giving forth the word. Now, obviously, that is someone like me who is a called pastor. I do that as a profession, but the the job of the farmer or the sower isn't relegated to just a pastor or just deacons or church leaders or Sunday school teachers. If you are a Christian, then that is also for you. We'll get into that in more detail detail in a few moments here, but the farmer is the one giving out the word and the seed is the word and the four types of soil that receive the seed. The soil is a picture of man's heart or the heart of mankind. And we all have a a different heart condition. And depending on your heart condition, that depends on how productive productive your soil, the soil of your heart's going to be. Uh, there are four types of soil given. There is that of the wayside, that which is like a dirt road where the soil's been mashed down and today's time driven on and their time walked on and the seeds land on top of that soil and have no shot. They never penetrate the soil. The birds come along and, and the birds are represented by the devil and they scoop up the seed and they're gone. And then Jesus says that next to that, there was sea, uh, seeds that landed in soil that were sitting on top of a rock and uh, not a lot of depth of soil there. So immediately the seeds landed down in the soil and were received. But the uh, the product that shot up, the sprout that shot up was scorched by the sun or temptation because the plant lacked. The next type of soil was that of the thorns and the seeds landed down and the thorns grew up with it, Luke 8 tells us, and choked out whatever plant like was there. And and then Jesus explains in Luke 8, I believe it's verse 14, that the the thorns are represented by cares and, and 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 riches and pleasures of life and that these things come along and bring Christians down. We looked at that in great depth a week ago on Sunday morning. And then the fourth type of soil is that of the productive soil. The soil where the seeds land in that soil, that heart condition, and they actually produce produce. Fruit. That's where we began this morning. And so let's, uh, uh, if you got an outline there, then you'll see that uh, the first couple of points are filled in. But we're going to throw those up on the screen. You can see them down on your paper. Let's review those really quick, then we'll hop into the last two points of the message. We looked at this morning, number one, a prepared soil. A prepared soil. And we talked about how that this soil had been cultivated. It had been made rich in nutrients. How many of you here have ever worked a garden or a plant and you've used Miracle Grow or uh, or something similar to Miracle Grow. Maybe you didn't have that on the label because you were too cheap to buy the real thing so you bought an off brand, right? Uh, I love generic. I buy generic everywhere I go. Amen. Uh, but uh, Miracle Grow, you know what? That soil was rich in nutrients. And it's amazing how fast things grow. And we talked about how our hearts need to be made rich and we looked at riches as an acrostic. We talked about how the soil of your heart should be rich in righteousness. We talked about the soil of the heart being rich in integrity. There needs to be that integrity there. The soil of the heart needs to be rich in charity and rich in holiness and how that a Christian's called to live a little bit different than everybody else. A Christian is called to have a heart that is Tender and ready to receive the seed of the word of God. Number two, we talked about, uh, so it should have been number one, a protected, a prepared soil. Number two was a, pro- a protected seed. The, the screen's wrong there, but number two is a protected seed. And Luke 8.15 says that the seed goes down in the earth and it is kept. It is, it is made safe. In fact, look back at verse 15 there with me. It says, with that on the good ground are they which in an honest and open heart, having heard the word, keep it keep it. Now I preached a sermon several months ago entitled The Keep Commandment, The Keep Commandment where we outlined the word keep and all of the different meanings in the Bible that the word keep uh has or means and one of those is the idea of guarding, putting a fence around Protecting. You may remember we looked at Proverbs, I believe it was 24 last week, where the wall had been broken down and the thorns and the, the, the nettles had grown up and, and the, uh, the, the soil or the, the land there was no longer productive and what had happened was that seed had gone out of the, down in the soil and its byproduct was not protected. And as Christians, we are to view the Word of God as a, something that we ought to want to protect. We talked about how that it is precious the word of God is precious and we talked about valuing God's word and falling in love with God's word and loving your copy of God's word now I said something about this on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago and um, and I'm going to go ahead and and interject this here Um, I'm not going to stand by this as something that is found in the Bible I'm going to give you my opinion okay This is my opinion. Now, not everyone here is going to agree with my opinion, and and that's okay. When I give my opinion, I like to tell you it's my opinion. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. We can still love each other. But it is my opinion that you ought to carry with you an actual copy of the Bible. I am not the biggest fan of doing the Bible on your phone. I'm not. Now, again, it's my opinion. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. You can still love Jesus. And I can love Jesus. So let me tell you a couple of the reasons why I'm for you using a physical Bible. It isn't just because I'm old fashioned. All right. I got some solid reasons for that. And if someone's using their phone as a Bible right now, I don't know it. I can't see that anybody's doing that. So I'm not saying this to pick on anybody. I promise. But let me just say that um, I have used my phone as a Bible in church before on Saturday mornings we have our bus meeting. I generally use my phone as a Bible there. Uh, but when I come to a preaching service, I, I would my, my preference would be that you carry a copy of the Bible. And, and here's a couple of the reasons why. Uh, when you have a verse on the page and all you have is on your screen two or three verses around it, you don't really get the context. You have to scroll around to get that context. And I heard someone put it this way one time. They said, uh, uh, text without context is pretext. Text without context is pretext. You want to make sure that you are able to see within a, a couple of chapter range of what you are reading so that you don't get your doctrinal hairs uh, uh, crossed or mixed up. Another reason I would say is that uh, other people will see you with a Bible and they will know that you're actually carrying a Bible. You're sitting there and you're on your phone and you're reading your Bible. Someone doesn't know if you're scrolling through Facebook or you're scrolling through Genesis. You say, well, I don't care what other people think about me. Don't you think it would make a bigger impact for Christ if they saw a Bible in your hand instead of a phone? Now, I know we're at church, that's different, but what about the break room? Christians can become real secret service real quick when they sit in a break room and they're reading the Bible on a phone. Hey, pull out your Bible and read it. I know not every atmosphere would allow for that, but if your workplace allows you to have a Bible and you don't do it because you're afraid of what other people will think think about you, then you need to check your heart. You need to check where you're at with that. And another reason would be that we use our phone to do like 19, 20 different things. Right? Right next to your Bible app on your phone, you've got Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or a flashlight app. It's just a utility. Your phone is nothing more than just a utility to get you through life. And listen, I've got like five or six Bible apps on my phone and, and I reference them sometimes and it's not that I don't ever use my phone as a Bible. My go-to is a hard-bound copy of God's Word that I can hold in my hand. And so, uh, uh, but, but value the Bible. Value the seed. Protect the seed. Why? Because it is it is precious. It is precious. We talked about that this morning, and then we also talked about how that the word of God is powerful. It's powerful. Why? Because it's eternal. It is without end. God wrote it before the first word of Genesis one one was ever spoken. Revelation twenty two twenty-one was done being penned. God wrote the Bible, not man, and it is an eternal book, and not only is it eternal, but it's esteemed. We talked about how God values. The Word of God above His name. The whole purpose the whole purpose of the sermon this morning was this. You are constantly having the seed of God's Word slung out into the soil of your heart. Constantly. If you come to church Sunday morning only, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If you're coming to church weekly and multiple times, then you're having God's Word slung out onto your heart. Now, there are times I get up here and preach and I'll lay an egg. I don't always have the best sermon that's ever been preached. Sometimes uh, you, you come and the, wor- the word that's being preached maybe isn't real applicable to where you are at that moment of your life. And, and uh, sometimes you sit down and read your Bible and it's nothing more than a, a list of names of who begat who. You ever been there? You open up your Bible and it's that part of the reading. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this. And the seed lands on your heart and you're not seeing how it's real applicable that day. That happens sometimes. But if your heart is prepared and your heart's ready, as the seed lands on your heart, God promises what? My word will not return void. If your heart is not ready to receive the word, then it can't have an effect on you. Well, let's continue on with the message this evening and let's consider two more thoughts about this idea of productive soil. And let's look at point number three from the beginning where we began the message this morning and notice a producing sprout, a producing sprout. Look down with me at Luke chapter eight and verse fifteen. The Bible says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it look here and bring forth fruit, bring forth fruit. Now, there is a debate. There is a philosophical debate going on amongst churches in America today. And I believe that this debate is both critical um, uh, and, and highly important to the to the health of our church and health of you as a Christian. This debate is found in the pulpits across America and across the world. And here is the debate. What does it mean to produce fruit as a Christian? What does that mean? Now, I have sat in churches that have preached it both ways. Some of you don't even know this debate exists. Okay, Some of you do, some of you don't. I'm going to tell you what the two arguments are. And then I'm going to tell you what I believe is right. Okay? The first argument is this. Bearing fruit has simply to do with the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. These are the same fruits labeled in Philippians 1 11, which we looked at this morning as the fruits of righteousness. And as you read through John 15 and it talks about bearing fruit, that is simply talking about love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance and nothing else. When a Christian reads his Bible and here's what they teach, here's what they believe. I've sat in churches that taught this and believe this. When a Christian uh, reads his Bible and prays, He is that tree by the river of the water of God's word in Psalm chapter one. He will grow big and tall due to the Bible's nutrients and the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be evident in his life. According to this camp, according to this argument, that is the beginning and the end of fruit bearing. It begins with the fruits of the Spirit, it ends with the fruits of the Spirit. You can get up, you can read your Bible and pray, you can go to church, you can learn to let the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, become evident in your life, and you can see this uh, uh, become abundant in your life, and it, it is that you have achieved Christian success when you get to that spot. Preachers that preach and teach this, they'll say things like this. Uh, walking with God. Uh, I heard a preacher say this. He said, some say that walking with God will help you arrive at your destination. He said, I would argue that walking with God is the destination. Is walking with God the destination? Is that it? Where we walk with God and that's the beginning and the end of the Christian life? So according to this argument, you got to be careful because this is this is a subtle lie wrapped up in something that sounds real spiritual. If I walk with God, I have achieved everything God has for me in a Christian life. That's what they're saying. Walking with God doesn't help you get to the destination. Walking with God is the destination. Well, if that's the case then all I've got to do is get up every morning and read my Bible and pray. Speak to God throughout the day and keep my sins confessed and go to church and that I'm a good Christian. Can you see? I want you to stop and pay attention to church culture today. Can you see how this lie has taken over churches across America? Now, you come to church and you behave and you be a good little boy or girl and you go about your day and you're in, in, in Jesus is pleased with you. Well, then there's another argument that's made and, and you know, it's like anything. You have a pendulum, right? It goes from one extreme to the other extreme. Well, here's the other extreme. Bearing fruit is a matter of leading people to Christ. And only leading people to Christ. People that hold to this position, they say, Proverbs 11.30 says... The the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian, just as an apple tree reproduces apples. A Christian ought to reproduce Christians with his soul winning zeal and Christian testimony. And if you don't reproduce Christians for Christ, then you are not right with God and you are not producing fruit for the Savior. Now... Should a Christian reproduce other Christians? Talked about that this morning, right? If if humanity stops having babies, humanity ceases to exist. If a tree quits producing fruit with seeds in it, that that tree line ceases to exist. Right. If Christians stop producing Christians, there will be no more churches in the generations to come. By the way, do you want to know why the church age is, you know, kind of tailing off and tanking, I say church age, I'm talking about the, in America, I'm specifically speaking of America, the average person on Sunday does not get up and go to church. How many of you left your neighborhood this morning and realized that not everybody is getting up and going to church? Most people are sleeping in, right? Most people get up late and go to the store. I bet the grocery stores are packed on Sunday morning, right? The malls are packed on Sunday, not church houses. And then those that do go to church, they're looking to go and, and, and hear a speech about how they can just feel good about themselves. They don't, they're not getting challenged by God's word. By the way, let me just say this here. We are at a moment in our church history. This is really neat. And we're kind of at the beginning of it. So if you haven't had your eyes open, maybe uh, you haven't noticed that. Let's go back to a producing sprout, Brother Jared. I'm not done. Uh, I'm not getting you're, you're getting ahead of me here. He's uh, he's uh, he's way ahead of me. That's OK. OK. Um, uh, we're at a point in our church history that's really neat uh, here, and we're right at the beginning of it. And so keep your eyes. I want the church uh, Sunday night crowd comes as usually uh, our more faithful attendees or members. Keep your eyes open because God is beginning to work amongst us. He's sending he's sending several families. And I say several four or five families, six families into our church that have been visiting lately and coming lately. And these are folks who are coming from other denominations and realizing that some of the doctrines they've been taught and told are wrong. They're seeking for the truth. They're looking for a Bible preaching church and they have converged on us. Amen, right? That people would seek for the truth and find White Oak Baptist Church to be a place that holds the Bible high. Now, should a Christian reproduce in Christ? Other Christians? Yes. Is that all the Bible means when it talks about fruit? It is not. You say, well, then what is the answer? Well, the truth is both sides are right, but both sides are not right exclusively. Sometimes the Bible is talking about producing fruit. It's talking about the fruits of the Spirit being produced through us. They're not... Now, pay attention to this. It's the fruit of the spirit, not the Christian. That's two different things. And then other passages are talking about the fruit of the Christian, and both ought to be evidenced in the Christian's life. Let me give you an A and a B here. You may have already gotten the blanks. Let me give them to you anywhere. Letter uh, anyway. Let me uh, let me uh, give them to you. Letter A. They are. Here are the two types of fruits in the Bible. The fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit. I'm going to own this here. I put the slideshow together for tonight, and I did a terrible job. <laughs> it's riddled with mistakes. I apologize for that. That should say Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If you could turn over there for me. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And look, it's being typed out in front of us. This is amazing. Boy, they are all over it. There it is. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And you may have it memorized. Just turn over there anyway, because we're going to look at uh, this tonight. If you have a heart soil that is right with God and the seeds of God's word are landing in your heart and they're putting down roots and then that that budding sprout, that producing sprout, begins to shoot up out of the soil, once that has developed and in the right season, you're going to begin to see some attributes within your emotional strength that's going to show themselves strong because the Holy Spirit will be thriving within you. Look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, "...but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace." Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, a Christian that has a heart soil that is ready to produce, uh, is a Christian that is allowing the Holy Spirit to, to bring these fruits, uh, to fruition, uh, in his or her life. Carnal Christians, carnal Christians are not the beneficiaries of the positives that the Holy Spirit has to offer. They, they have allowed their flesh really to hit the off switch and the Holy Spirit cannot produce, will not produce uh, 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 these fruits in your life. Now, let's look at these closely here. Notice that the fruits of the Spirit, the first one mentioned is love. And if you go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has a lot to say about love. And he says this about love. He says, anybody can love somebody who's nice to them. Anybody can love somebody who's nice to them. There are there are several of you in this room that when it comes to birthdays and Christmas time, you just give, 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 give to others and you give, give, give to my family. And i got to tell you, it is super easy to love somebody who gives you a gift card to Cheesecake Factory. It is really easy to turn around and say, oh man... I'm putting this steak dyeing in my mouth and this, this cheesecake in my mouth. Uh, 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 boy, I sure love the person that gave me this. Anybody can love somebody who's loving on them. But what about when the Bible says love your neighbor and your neighbor's not nice to you? How about that? You know, you can't do that on your own. How about this, ladies? When your husband is, uh, you know, not communicating with you. That, that doesn't happen to you ladies, does it? Where your husband just is a bad communicator. I see some husbands looking at their wives, trying to see. You know. How about this, guys? When your wife has gotten emotional for like the eighth time this week, and you, you just can't figure it out, right? Sometimes in marriage counseling, I'll open the Bible to Matthew 5.44, where it says, love your enemies. And I've seen husbands and wives get to a place where they are enemies with each other. You know, you're commanded to love your enemy. Uh, That's tough. How do you do that? You know, your flesh cannot love someone who hates you. Your flesh cannot do it. I I cannot force myself to love somebody who hates my guts. I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can love somebody who hates my guts through me. And if the soil of my heart is right, and those seeds are budding up, uh, into into a sprout that turns into a tree, then, then, then all of a sudden I'm able to love someone who isn't really that lovable. I can't spend a lot of time on each of these because uh, we'd be here all night. But joy, joy, uh, if you are living by the flesh and the soil of your heart is not doing what it ought to be, the seeds of God's Word, then the Holy Spirit is not going to produce joy in your life. And that is an inner happiness that comes from a walk with God. How about peace during problems? you ever seen a mature Christian who just... I mean, their blood pressure has not shot up one iota over a problem. And they, they just carry about like everything's great and there's no problems in their life. And it isn't just a front. They really have a true peace about them during a difficult time. Have, have you here, any of you here ever seen a mature Christian in the Lord that's that way? And you go, they have a peace that passes all understanding, like the Bible describes. That is an evident of the Holy Spirit. Here's one. How about Patience. Patience. This was probably the time where I really got on board with this idea of the fruit of the spirit and realized, boy, I I don't have it. Some years ago, I was talking to my dad and my dad said, he said, you are an impatient person. And I said, you're right. I am. And, And I said, I don't know what to do with about it. He said, well, you know, patience is a fruit of the spirit. And then he said this. He said, if you're not a patient person, it's clear that you're not living by the spirit. And there was like death, death silence on my end of the phone what do you say back to that? It's right. It's true. I am not naturally a patient person. But the Holy Spirit can make me a patient person. Right? And that's a good barometer for you. Patience. Gentleness. Some people are, well, I just gave that person a piece of my mind. I told them how it was. Well, fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. When you're getting in someone's face over whatever... Are you really? Is the Holy Spirit really being gentle through you? How about you say, "Well, I don't like that." Well, it's in the Bible. Take it up with the author of the good book. How about persecution? Someone's uh, giving you a hard time. Can you can you rejoice and be exceeding glad? Do you live a life that is faithless or faithful? Do you live a life that is uh, where you're constantly responding to angry people uh, with um, uh, w- with anger and strife? Or is there meekness and, and a godly attitude? Do you lack self-control every time your flesh wants something? Do you just go get it? Oh, well, well uh, you know, there's a McDonald's and they have wraps there. And you go, you know, sometimes it's good to say, you know, I'm just going to tell my flesh no. Yeah, I want that cheeseburger. I'm just going to tell my flesh no. Yeah, I I I want to go to the fridge and raid the fridge. You know what? Right now, I need to be able to tell my flesh no. That's temperance. That's self control. And binge eating is a big problem in 2019, where people just binge on food hard. And you're, you're 14 donuts deep into and you're looking around going, I hope no one saw me. Or you're on your eighteenth coffee of the day. I've seen all the Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks around here. Somebody's keeping them in business. As many as there are, New England has a coffee problem. They just do. You should not be able to have five Dunkin' Donuts in a two-mile stretch on, on, uh, on Boston Post Road. They're all there. And then a Cumberland Farms that's serving gallons of it a day. And a Starbucks that's serving, you know, uh, rich people their coffee or, or poor people who want to be rich their coffee. Uh, and, and we, we've, got a, we've got a self-control problem. Well, As a society, we just do. And you know what? That bleeds over in other areas of your life. You say, Pastor, I, I don't have the fruits of the Spirit evidenced in my life. What do I do? Well, you have to understand that growing these fruits is a process. Let me give you letter B here. Fruits of the saint. Fruits of the saint. Proverbs 1130, I quoted a moment ago. Let me quote it again. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So you have the fruits of the spirit, but how about the fruits of the Christian? The Bible is very clear. I want to be kind with how I say this. But I want you to really listen to my words here. The Bible is very clear. If you are truly doing the Christian life God's way, you will lead people to come to Christ. You will. You cannot do the Christian life God's way and go 35 years being a Christian and not really see very many people get saved. You say, well, pastor, but I'm scared. Perfect love casteth out fear. Listen, we, we can all be afraid of a lot of things, but here's what I've learned. If you want something bad enough, you'll learn how to get it. I don't understand how the seed of God's word, you can sit underneath the distribution of the seed of God's word in a church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And never, ever get to a place where you can share the truth of salvation with someone else. Boy, there's something going on there. When the pastor preaches on soul winning, you just shut down. Well, we'll let that be for somebody else. No, that's for you. That's for me. You say, well, I'm an introvert. Okay, so was Thomas. So was Andrew. Andrew. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you love talking to people or you love being by yourself, cuddled up in a blanket at, at home uh, in front of the fireplace, it doesn't matter. Boy, giving the gospel to somebody isn't, it isn't just uh, a gift God gives certain people and not others. It's something that we all ought to be able to do. We ought to be willing to do. Peter puts it this way, that we're to be able to answer every man according to the hope that lieth within us. And someone comes to you with a question or a concern, uh, are you willing to take the good news of Jesus Christ and share it with them? Now, if you underline words in your Bible, let me give you four words to underline in Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Can you turn over there? Now, let me be clear. The purpose of the sermon tonight is not to put anybody on a guilt trip. For not being a soul winner or sharing their faith. The purpose of the message tonight is to incentivize you so that by the end of the year, you can have your heart soil as such to where that isn't something that's forced. It's something that happens naturally. Before we have you underline these four words, uh, Pastor David, take my mic down just a hair there. We're getting some ring on the platform. Before I have you underline these four words, let me um, let me just make this observation. OK, and I've been guilty of this. I've even been guilty of this since I've been the pastor here. Um, I have felt for years that if people don't go soul winning, then what we got to do is preach harder on soul winning. And maybe if we preach hard enough on it and guilt trip people enough, more people will come out. And that does work on some level for a short time. Can I tell you where I am getting to in my maturation with the Lord is I don't want you. Please hear me. I don't want you sharing your faith with someone because you've been guilted into it. I want you to share your faith with someone because you are so overwhelmed by how good God's grace has been to you that you can't help but share it. It ought to be something that happens organically. There's a, a man sitting in the auditorium right here who I believe has one of the most tender hearts toward the Lord. And he would not want me to say his name, so I'm not going to share it. But I have watched as this man has wept while he's he's preached. This man has wept while he's prayed. This man is overwhelmed constantly by God's grace. And since I've been the pastor here, there's been a number of times someone has showed up and walked in the back door and sat in the pew. And I'll go up and shake their hands and I'll say, how did you hear about us?" And they say, well, uh, uh, you have a gentleman in your church named such and such. And, and he gave us this gospel track and he invited us. You know, I know why that person's handing out gospel tracts. Overwhelmed by God's grace. The, God, the grace of God has so profoundly changed this person. He can't help it. He can't help it. And I don't want you to manufacture fruit in going soul winning because, because the pastor says I have to do it and the Bible says I have to do it. No, it ought to be to the place where your heart is right with God and the seed of the Word of God goes down in the soil and up comes the sprout and, and this tree forms and the leaves grow out and in time you can't help but tell someone about the love of God because it has so overwhelmed you as a person. Look at Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Here are the four words. Sow, reap, seed, sheaves. Sow, reap, seed, sheaves. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Further down, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Christians are to sow the seed of the word of God. Now, our modern churches today, uh, we call this, uh, our culture calls this soul winning or outreach. A, a, maybe a better term for soul winning is soul warning. You go out and you warn people about the impending doom and judgment if they don't get saved. Christians, likewise, are to reap the sheaves as a result of their sowing the gospel. So what are the sheaves? If you pluralize the word sheaf, you get sheaves. And the word sheaf Means this uh, one of the bundles in which cereal plant as cereal plants as wheat, rye, etc. are bound after reaping. So uh, you're going to go out and bring in the product uh, from your sowing and reaping. Uh, how many people have you won to Christ? Stop and think about that for a minute. Is it is it less? Is it ten or under? Is it, is it a hundred and down? You say, oh, here you go. You're all concerned about numbers. Listen, you can't look in someone's heart and know if they really got saved. You know what? I used to coach basketball and I had a girl, I'd put the girls off the end of the bench at the end of the game who, when the game was out of hand and they were new to the game. And you know, they'd get in there and they'd get the ball. How many of you ever watched a, a high school girls basketball game? Here's what they look like. You ready? And then you get a jump ball. It happens all the time. And here's what I'd tell the girls. I'd say, you got to shoot. And they say, but I don't know how. And I'd say, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. You can't make any of the shots that you don't take. The more shots you take, the more chances you'll have at making it. And then watching a girl shoot that ball up there and it go in for the first time, man, they're just about dancing down the court back on defense. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen it, Sochi, Right. They're just so excited. Remember when I was in the fifth grade, I scored my first point in a a game uh, between schools. And man, I was smiling from ear to ear for like the next six possessions. I was so fired up. You can't lead people to the Lord until you try. You can't can't see someone get saved until you hand out that first track. you got to sow the seeds if you want to reap. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. Now, when it comes to When it comes to the fruit of the Christian and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, both are a byproduct of walking with God. Both are a byproduct of getting close to the heart of God. And both ought to happen organically and naturally and not be forced. Let me give you the last point of the message here tonight. Notice, number four, a patient success. A patient success. And this is a very critical part of the message. Look back at Luke chapter 8 verse 15 with me if you would. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Look here, bring forth fruit. Read those last two words out loud with me, will you? With patience. One more time. With patience. Every farmer knows that that uh, bearing fruit is a long, long process. His success depends on a couple of things. This is setting the weather elements to the side. OK, but uh, the, the success of a farmer is really dependent on two things. Now I recommend you write these two things down below your, your fourth point there. Here they are. Hard work and patience. Hard work and patience. Last week on Sunday morning, we talked about the importance of going out and pulling up the weeds. Right. Making sure that the. The weeds are, are not able to come up and choke out that tree and steal from its nutrients. There's going to be a lot of hard work that goes into it. I would love to think that, um, that each of you, every Sunday morning and Sunday night, you, you, you get up from either a, a, a night of sleep or your Sunday afternoon nap, and you're like, I can't wait to go to church. But I know better. I, I lay down this uh, morning and I took a nap. Or this afternoon, not this morning. I laid down this morning while I was preaching and took a nap. No, I lay down uh, I lay down this afternoon and I didn't mean to take a nap, but I fell asleep. And when I woke up, i got to tell you, my flesh was not saying, It's time to go to church! Yes! There was an element of character involved in that. Element of character. You know why? Because my flesh is at war with my spirit. My spirit wanted to come to church tonight. My flesh sure didn't want to. You're going to bear fruit. It's going to take patience. It's going to take it's going to take hard work. The hardest thing for a farmer to deal with is the one thing that is totally out of his control. That is the weather. Farmers can face hot days that could scorch the plant unseasonably cold days that could freeze the plant long periods of drought that could steal nutrients from the the soil uh, and a disproportionate amount of rain that could drown the root system of the plant who controls the weather well obviously god does the one thing that the farmer cannot control he must instead learn to trust god he cannot control the weather and so he must trust God. When I was down in Alabama, I was talking to my farmer friend, Farmer Talley, and we got talking about this very thing about the weather and how that there are a lot of nights out where uh, the, the blossoms have come up on his peach trees, and they're getting ready to bud and, and, and turn into a, a, a beautiful peach, and, and then all of a sudden there's an unseasonably cold day, and it drops well below the freezing line, and he's at risk of losing all of his peaches, and there's a process they go through to try to protect them, but involves being up all night and he said there are times where he'll lose entire section rows of trees and I said what do you do in that moment I said you're up all night you've got to be exhausted you've been working hard the weather has taking things out of uh, uh, taking out hundreds and thousands of dollars away from you I said that must be disheartening and he said no I've got another farmer friend of mine and we text each other back and forth a Bible verse about how God is in control of the weather and God is over overseeing uh, our labor and that we just need to trust him. Christians, just because you are working hard to prepare the soil, protect the seed and produce the sprout does not mean that God will not send storms your way that are completely and entirely out of your control. Do not be deceived. Those who are working hard to do their best for the Lord are just as vulnerable to trials Sometimes when you're trying to do the work of the Lord, you're more vulnerable to trials. I read a quote um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to try to give you the quote, but I'll just give you the idea. The idea was that before God will use someone greatly, He must first hurt them deeply. You may be going through a time in your life of just torture. Mental, physical, emotional, spiritual Torture, And you wonder why in the world is God letting me uh, go through this. God's got to hurt you deeply before he can really use you. He's got to abase you before he can lift you up. I'm looking around the auditorium tonight at some different people and I know you're going through some tough things. And, and, and you're tempted to just throw in the towel and quit on God. And God needs to see that you can endure the storm that's raging over that That fruit tree that is growing and beginning to bud. And he needs to see that you will not throw in the towel and quit. And that when you get rained on, like Job did, that you're still going to get down on your knees and worship the Lord. Say, naked came I into this world and naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why did Job have to suffer through the storm? Can I tell you why? Because he was a good ground Christian. He had the right type of soil, so God sent him through a difficult storm. You know, I believe this. In fact, you can read Job 1 and and you definitely get this idea. If Job had been a mediocre, thorny ground Christian, do you think Satan would have ever come down and, and tortured him? Absolutely not. Because he had kept the weeds out of the garden of his heart and that soil of his heart was prepared to really do something great and because he was producing fruit even for the Lord, uh, Satan, uh, and God got into an argument over his motives and whether or not he could keep it up and God allowed Satan to just reign hardships on 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 uh, on job there and job was able to endure the storm and my friend if you're going to be a productive christian for the lord there are going to be times where you have to endure difficulties You climb the ladder of the Christian life, you will learn that the higher you go up the ladder, the more violent the shakes feel. You take a ladder and you lean it up against the wall, and some of you men here work up on ladders, you can be on that first rung and someone can shake it, and you're at no risk. But you get up to the top of that ladder there, a little shake at the bottom is a big shake at the top. And the higher you go up the ladder for the Lord, and serving Him and loving Him, and becoming more like Him, those tremors that seem little early on in your Christian life, they will test your faith in a tremendous... Tremendous way toward the top. And God wants to know that no matter how hard that ladder shakes, you trust Him because He's spotting your ladder and He's going to make sure you're taken care of. Some of you here this evening, you are an instantaneous gratification type. We talked about getting impatient earlier, but you order in the drive-thru and if the drive-thru makes you wait more than a few minutes, boy, you are ready to blow the horn. You're ready to let someone at the counter know about it. And we live in a day where if our internet, we, we, we don't get what we want instantaneously, uh, we're ready to go buy a new computer. Thousands of dollars. Because we had to wait 20 seconds for a page to load. You work with that, don't you, Mark? That's what you do for a living. That's what I believe the lady back here does for a living. That IT stuff, right? And, and people get really upset. So i got to have it now, now, now. And friend, in the Christian life, Bearing fruit, and, and this is what I want to really drive home here at the end of the sermon. Bearing fruit and producing fruit, it is a process that requires patience. You say, but pastor, I've been going to church for 30 years and I'm not patient. Because you've been doing it the wrong way for 30 years. And so you got to begin now. you got to plant those seeds. You've got to clean up the soil of your heart and allow the word of God to really sprout in your life. And in its season... You will produce fruit. Is the soil of your heart producing for the Lord? Before it can produce, your heart, uh, you must prepare your heart so that the Bible will be effective. Second, you must value your time around the Word of God and give it your utmost and undivided attention. You must protect it and allow it to, taint, to change you. Third, you must work to, be, to become productive. You must become a conduit that the Holy Spirit uses to show others a right heart attitude. You must likewise learn to share your faith with others around you. Fourthly, you must do this with patience. Take your Bibles over to James chapter 1. Let's finish the sermon here this evening. James chapter 1 and verse number 3. I guess tonight, if you were to give me a piece of paper and say, Richard Lejeune, write down on the piece of paper what you wish you were like as a Christian. Write down your 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 model Christian life. You know what I would list? I would list a productive and abundant soul winning life. And I would list all of nine fruits of the spirit. And I'd say I want these to always be evident in my life. Can you imagine if you live that way? where you loved everybody regardless of how they treated you, you didn't carry any vengeance in your heart or grudge in your heart toward anybody, if you were always joyous, no matter what happened, can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine having a perfect peace all the time? Can you imagine always handling people with gentleness and goodness? Can you imagine having faith that never wavers, no matter what happens? Can you imagine living a Christian life in a way where there is just this power under control meekness all the time. Can you imagine having self-control in any given situation? Can you imagine having gospel tracts with you all the time and being ready to witness to anyone at the drop of the hat and seeing people get saved and come to church and walk down the aisle and get baptized and added to the church? Imagine if that was your Christian life all the time. How many want to sign up for that? Oh, I'm in. Boy, then that's God's plan for us. That's That's His plan. And so we've got to get our soul to that place. Look at James 1, 3 and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Her mature work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let patience have her perfect work. If you are saved, then the seed of the gospel has been planted in your heart. What you need to do now is work hard to get to the production stage. And once you get there, the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the saint will begin to bud inside of you and through you and be evident and obvious for everybody. Christian tonight, do you have productive soil? We've hammered this now for five sermons. Five sermons. Has the Holy Spirit identified in your heart? What needs to change? And are you willing to make that change? Let's have our heads bowed tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you'd move in our hearts. Lord, we all know what we want. The question isn't, do we know what we want? It's, are we willing to put in the work to get there? Lord, help us to be Christians that have hearts that are tender. Hearts that are ready. Hearts that are cleaned up and pure work in us and through us so that we can change the world around us with the good news of Jesus Christ and show the world around us what a true Christian looks like. I do believe, Lord, that if Christians would be Christians in the biblical sense, we could change this world pretty quick. Lord, that doesn't just begin with the people outside of the walls of this room it begins right here with us it begins with each individual here tonight and it begins with me help us lord to be tender toward your leadings to make the changes necessary in jesus name amen let's stand to our feet the piano is playing the altar's open if the lord has spoken to you about